0: This is David Rovix, and you are tuned to 3CR, 8.55am, Melbourne, Australia.
1: Step
2: three is finding there's a tactic when everyone believes it could be true. That if all the people work collectively, there just might be something we can do, and everything
3: can change.
4: Welcome to the Climate Action Show. My name is Vivian Langford, and salut babette. Andy and I would like to pay our respects to the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation from whose land we are broadcasting at 3CR and the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation where we can be heard at Radio Skid Row. This episode is called Stop Gaslighting Our Future. It's about leafleting, striking and going to jail. The Climate Action Show is determined to bring you the voices of activists. Inactivists talk a lot. They wring their hands about our major political parties, they call for strong leadership, and yet they vote for parties that back more coal and gas. They cry out for a Winston Churchill or a Jacinda Ardern to lead us boldly, but then they go back to sleep. Activists are different. Out in the street, the face of climate action is angry, urgent, strategic, and often heartrending. Once you really know about the climate chaos our coal and gas exports are creating, you cannot go back to sleep. The activist groups we'll visit tonight don't go for charismatic leaders. If they know they are privileged, they pass the mic to someone who hasn't had a platform before. If they have a people's assembly, they aim for radical inclusivity, active listening and they work on building trust. It's in their bones that emergency climate action will not be achieved without justice for First Nations people, without allies in trade unions and among workers, and without caring about our Pacific neighbours. Teenager Jean Hinchcliffe, who was one of the first uh, leaders of the School Strikes for Climate, she's written a guidebook for activists. It's called Lead the Way. She says her aha moment came when she realised all the problems of injustice, racism and sexism were not just separate issues. She says, and I'll quote, There's no way that a truly fair and democratic world could fall into such an absurd crisis of rapid impending doom. Not only has the climate crisis been caused by the unequal distribution of power, but all other social problems have been too. As long as power isn't distributed fairly in a way that allows civil society to have a voice and to speak up, we'll all be trapped forever in a cycle of injustice. So mobilising civil society is what it's about. As one of the speakers just out of jail said, it's about numbers. We can't fail if we get the numbers. But it's getting the numbers in time and so i'm hoping that showcasing these three different types of climate action you will see that there's somewhere for you somewhere for you that you can slot in something you can do the three groups tonight are the school strike for climate in sydney which had many groups within them on their platform like the um, climate um, pacific climate warriors and the gamilaroi next generation also, uh, we, we hear from two Extinction Rebellion people who'd just been to prison in Canberra. And thank you to Robert McLean, who is part of our Climate Action Collective. And you can hear his full uh, version of this um, interview at Climate Conversations. Lastly, we'll hear from GetUp volunteers who spent several hours engaging the public at Bondi Junction trying to talk to them about gas and this is debriefing and, and how it felt and and hats off to them for doing it. The music tonight is by a friend of this program called Greg Barnes and his song is called Frog in a Pan. But now let's go to the beginning of the school strike for s- climate which started in a church pouring rain outside and pacific people and many youth leaders inside preparing to go out and march i'm at uniting church here in sydney uh, Pitt street and i've got someone here from a big group of people there's a band there's lots of music as you can hear and mikhail is going to tell us why are you rallying today
5: Um, It's so important that we're out here today rallying with people to um, fight for um, First Nations people's sovereignty over their land and to fight against gas projects that the government wants to run through because um, that's what it takes um, in this era to see a world where everybody flourishes and lives well.
4: Why do you think the young people are catching everyone's attention?
5: Um, I think that um, young people are scared and... um, I think that we, this is an issue that we've grown up with and, and so we haven't had a chance to, um, get g- to to become used to a world where um, where business as usual is normal for us. For us knowing that we have a, a future that is at risk is normal. and so um, we're ready to, we're ready to get out there because we're scared about what the future holds.
4: You've got drums here, that's enough to scare anybody, and it's going to be a big crowd. So do you think it's a matter of numbers and getting the media to notice you?
5: Yeah, I guess ultimately what we want to do today is to um, get the nation to, to look at this issue and to talk about this issue. We really um, want to start a conversation and continue the conversation that's already happening um, because we need, this is the big issue we need, we need the world to be talking about this. Are you
4: Are cutting through with the Prime Minister who's well known as a Christian, you know, he really strongly asserting that as his persona do you feel you can get through to him
6: well
5: i guess we hope we hope that he'll see something in what we're doing that he can that he can resonate with um, yeah i'm sure that he he also shares a vision of a world made whole and a world where all people can live well and so i hope that he can see the reality of the situation and, and hopefully he can connect to the fact that we have some similarity with where he's coming from.
6: I'm um, Moni Taumoi I'm the uh, Mission Facilitation Consultant for UME um, as my placement. This morning has been just incredible you know with our young people leading the service um, you know, the charge with the sermon, uh, um, encouraging us, that there is hope, you know, in, for the future, but we have to act now and uh, that, that's why I'm here to march together with them in solidarity of our young people and our future.
4: Me too. I'm delighted how well researched they are and how specific they are, you know, they're not just making generalised uh, demands.
6: Exactly. and. That's what the United Church is standing for, isn't it? To, to uh, stand with those who are, um, are destitute and marginalized. And that's why climate is so important to us. Because the crisis is there for us not to, be, um, to stand together with them. So I'm glad for today. Looking forward to it.
4: I'm still in Pitt Street Uniting Church and I've got the minister here. Would you like to tell us why you're here and what's happened this morning?
6: Yes,
7: well we had a service with um, Christian Students Uniting to gather people together and um, pray and uh, mobilise to build on the Uniting Church's commitment to renewing the life of the earth and that's at the centre of Pitt Street Uniting Church's work. We see ourselves as a community committed to the uh, spirit, to justice and and not least the earth. And... um, and hopefully we, we can do so, something and make a change. And it's long overdue, but in the power of God and our own actions, we can make a difference.
4: Do you see something poignant about the fact that it's children and Pacific peoples and often marginalised people who are really leading this?
7: Yeah, well, I think so. But I think, it's, I think change often comes from the edges, doesn't it? From the vulnerable and the, um, the poor. And that they're those who are the, the most impacted by climate change and sadly until we hear those voices and lift them up but one, one of the great things about today has been the energy and the inspiration that young people have have brought and so they embody hope for us i think from the rest of us to get off and do what we can older people don't leave it to those others it's about human solidarity
4: I have another minister here. The Street Church today is full of ministers of all types and from different congregations, but it's all Uniting Church. So would you, Penny, tell us a little bit about why climate action affects so many people now? It's very clear to me that um,
8: people are finally catching up with what has been known for a very long time, Uh, That we really do have to care for our Earth. And so it's just been inspirational this morning to see the young people and to see our Indigenous and uh, Pacifica folk coming forward and encouraging us in that action. For me, um, this has been close to my heart for decades, but just to see now the, the energy and the kind of group action that's taking place is encouraging.
9: Warrani, Gadigal, Nura, Wualamabebe, Inyana, Bailoa, Ngayinayala, Woodshirri, Darabara, Yanu. Welcome to Gadigal land. My name's Aunty Rhonda Dixon Grosvenor, and I'm a Gadigal elder of the Rain area, Sydney area, also of the Bidjigal people from Larkaroos, the Darragh people out west around Penrith area and the Yuan people of the far south coast of New South Wales. My people have been on this land for over 80,000 years and we're still here and we will not go away and we will speak up about the rights of Mother Earth and Father Sky to be looked after and nurtured and respected and that's why we're all here today thank you everyone thank you all the young people that are so dedicated and staunch about fighting for the rights of Mother Earth and Father Sky. The
10: movement exists on stolen land and there is no climate justice
11: without justice or first
10: is attempting to use the opportunity presented by the recovery from the COVID-19 pandemic to double down on fossil fuels and lock in gas into our energy system for decades to come. Since September 2020, the government has given close to $1 billion of public money as subsidies to enable new gas developments, including in the federal budget delivered on May 12. The Morrison government could be protecting our climate, land and water and creating thousands of new jobs by growing Australia's renewable energy sector and backing First Nations solutions to protect country. Instead, they are lining the pockets of multinational gas companies which are fueling the climate crisis, devastating our land and water and wrecking our health and creating
12: very few jobs. As our beautiful MCs um, mentioned before, I'm a part of Amilaray Next Generation. It is a contingent made up of young Bomeroy men and women from professional backgrounds from all over Australia that come together to take a stand against the active movements of Santos and the negligent processes that the government has undertaken to get this project up and running now those who may or may not know about the santos project this project has been in, in the proposal pipeline for the past decade 10 years this project has been up in the air about whether or whether or not the government will approve it and off the back end of co- of 19 pandemic and the economic recession that resulted in that pandemic it was a gateway for the government to push this project through to further destroy and desecrate gomeroy land Shame! We are not accountable to the government. The government is accountable to us. We make up society, we are the economy, and if you're gonna feed us lies, feed us something that isn't backed by evidence, and say that this is how we get out of our economic recession that we're currently in, then you are blind to the truth that's going on in front of you. They are dinosaurs. They are prehistoric creatures who sit in the house up on the hill and look down upon us as the people. We put them in a position of power and we need to remind them that that power we put them in, it could be just as easily taken away.
10: Public money should be used to fund Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander-led solutions that guarantee land rights and care for country. of jobs that will fast-track solutions to the climate crisis and help communities recover. (laughs) Public money should be used to fund projects that transition our economy and communities to 100% renewable energy by 2030 through expanded public ownership. (laughs) The Pacific Climate Warriors, a network of young Pacific people from 15 Pacific Island nations, Australia, New Zealand and the U.S. are working to model for the world what true climate leadership looks like. (laughs) Pelle Pestite serves as an executive team member for the New South Wales Pacific Climate Warriors. She's an activist, storyteller and traditional Samoan dancer who carries the message, we are not drowning,
2: we are fighting. Let's welcome Bella Pessie There is no justice for climate without addressing the systemic extraction, harm and violence towards Indigenous, Black and racialized communities. Around the world, Indigenous, Black and racialized communities are the ones hardest hit by the climate crisis. When centering these injustices, we have the power to shift barriers and boundaries. So we must always hold these truths at the centre of our organising. Climate change is a man-made issue that essentially tampers with the preservation of our cultures. The values and traditions that set us apart as Pacific Islanders in this world is why I fight for my islands. I want them to feel the cool air while the sun is high in the sky, and hear all of the roosters of the village cry one after the other as the sun peeks into the horizon. This is the land that I long for. So although Tuvalu is physically far away from me, I'll continue to see my home in the eyes of my grandmother. I'll forever hear the sounds of Tuvalu when my grandma starts to hymn in a tone that my Samoan family can't quite harmonise. It's an unspoken rule or or a common principle that when you grow up, you'll look after your parents. And in retrospect to that, our Pacific youth would do the same for our islands, except we don't have the luxury of waiting to grow up. Scott Morrison continually fails to protect all Australian homes, and his Pacific neighbours bear the brunt of these actions. Low lying atoll communities such as Tuvalu become most vulnerable. The people of Tuvalu said, if Tuvalu goes down, so does the world. In a world with so many injustices, we must start thinking collectively. There's a Samoan proverb that goes, a uto. When translated, it reads, When it's felt towards the sea, it's felt towards the land. And the underlying message to this is, When something happens in our family, no matter how far away they might be, we all feel the repercussions. We need action now. The extraction and burning of fossil fuels like gas is accelerating the climate crisis that threatens our islands and our people. The climate crisis is now. We need real transformative change now. We need real leadership now. Scott Morrison continues to fail our Indigenous people. He continues to fail those recovering from the bushfires. He continues to fail all of us as we recover from the pandemic. We're here because we can't let him fail our futures. We are not drowning. We are
4: You are listening to Radio 3CR or Radio Skid Row. We're hearing from people at the school strike for climate in Sydney. Now we'll hear National Secretary of the Electrical Trades Union um, speaking to the rally. The students running this strike have a good idea how to find allies and the trade unions are key to making a smooth transition away from coal, oil and gas. Here's Alan Hicks.
10: The ETU have been strong advocates for workers in emission-intense industries for many years and have been fighting hard to ensure these workers aren't left behind as we make the much-needed transition from fossil fuels to renewable energy. Let's welcome Alan.
1: Thank you. I also want to thank every single person here today to have the courage to come out to this strike and for fight... Not only for your future, but all of our future. Congratulations. School students shouldn't have to go on strike. But when we've got a government and a Prime Minister that's not listening, that's not concerned about your future, then we have to strike. We have to fight. And we have to make it abundantly clear that enough is enough. To achieve net zero emissions, we have to have a resolute focus. We have to have businesses. We have to have community, we have to have unions, and we have to have governments all going the same way. But as we know, and you've heard from the speakers before me today, Scott Morrison is asleep at the wheel and he's done nothing. And he doesn't care about the future of this country. And I say, shame. He's also done nothing for the workers in the emission intensive industries to create a pathway for them to transition from fossil fuels into clean energy. So many workers, communities and businesses are going to be adversely affected because of Scott Morrison's failure to show leadership in this area. Scott Morrison and Angus Taylor continue to mislead, misrepresent and provide false hopes to these workers, communities and businesses. I was fortunate enough a couple of years ago to speak at the last strike that he's had as one of the best and proudest days of my life to be in front of so many people that wanted to fight for our future. And I spoke about it on that day. I did my apprenticeship in the coal mines. I'm a proud Sparky. My father was a coal miner until he passed away. So I benefited enormously out of the coal industry. But it's our responsibility as unions to make sure workers do have that clear pathway out of fossil fuels into clean energy. The proposed curry curry gas peaking generator is a clear example of where a federal government gets it completely wrong. The federal government tried to force the private sector into building a gas peaking station. And you know what the private sector did? They said, it's not viable and we're not gonna do it. So instead of listening to the experts, what does the federal government do? They go and grab $600 billion of your money and my money, taxpayers' money, invest in something that isn't viable. And the ironic part about this is the same federal government has been trying to pressure state and territory governments for years, for years, to privatise publicly owned assets, like electricity distributors, like electricity generators, like rail, like motorways. And then when they don't get their way with the private sector, what do they do? They want to create a publicly owned gas peaking generator. Shame. You know, if there was a demand for a gas peaking station, don't you think the private sector would have went out there to make some dollars and they would have built it it just doesn't stack up it's an absolute disgrace that this government again is wasting taxpayers dollars on something that it shouldn't be doing but i'll tell you what the people the people in the regions around curry curry in the hunter valley they deserve jobs they deserve investment but they don't deserve something that's not viable and i just want to read something out to you when the uh, environmental impact statement for the curry curry project was lodged with the New South Wales Department of Planning, they actually admitted that the plant will only run for 2% of its rated capacity each year. 2%! We're spending $600 million for a gas-fired power station to operate 2% of the time. And Angus Taylor, the energy minister, reckons we need to do it to make sure that the electricity network's viable and it's gonna drive down electricity prices. That's bullshit. It's bullshit, because what it'll do projects like this that aren't viable, it'll drive electricity prices up and contribute to global warming. I had a message for Scott Morrison and Angus Taylor and the rest of his cronies in federal government. Let's grab that 600 million bucks. Let's use it in something that's practical and sensible. Let's build some offshore wind. Yeah! Let's invest that 600 million dollars, which creates hundreds and hundreds of jobs and clean cheap power. The offshore wind sector provides massive opportunities to build towers, turbines, subsea foundations, cables, offshore substations, and that work for maritime workers. This is a sensible, practical use of taxpayers' dollars. Again, I'm so proud to have the privilege to be asked to speak today to all of you. Have a look around, but don't leave this here today. Make sure we go back out into our various communities and have the conversations with our mums and dads, our brothers and sisters, our aunts and uncles, our family, our friends. And make sure they remember this. We've got a Prime Minister that does not care about our future. So we don't care about his future. And it's time for Scott Morrison to go. This country is in good hands, not because of the leadership of the Federal Liberal Party, It's in good hands because when I look around here today and I see everyone that's committed to a cause, committed to an outcome, prepared to strike, prepared to fight to do whatever it is. And the ETU is going to make this statement. We we support your demands. We support your demands to have Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander led solutions that guarantee land rights and care for country. We support your demands for the creations of jobs that fast track solutions to the climate crisis and help communities recover. We support your demands to ensure that projects are transitioning our economy and community to 100% renewable by 2030 through expanded public ownership. I again congratulate you on your stance today and the ETU is going to be with you every step of the way. Congratulations.
3: Now let's welcome Patrick Rudd. Assembly-
10: year old striker all the way from Port Macquarie in the north coast of New
0: South Wales. Like many places across the East Coast, two months ago my town was struck by extreme flooding. Over 3,000 calls for help were made as houses and small businesses were lost and streets and parks were buried in debris. Livestock from farms kilometres away washed up dead on our shores and schools closed as many of our teachers and fellow students worked to restore what was lost. We were told it was a once in a hundred year storm, but we've heard numbers like that before. Two years ago, regional New South Wales faced a once in 400 year drought. Grazing land turned to dust and farmers were forced to rely on charity to keep sheep and cattle alive. One year ago, my town, like many across Australia, was impacted by the worst bushfire season this country has ever seen. At one point, we were completely cut off as five major fires surrounded us. Roads were closed and smoke blanketed our town. But we were the lucky ones. There were towns further inland that were just about wiped off the map. The bushfires that summer took 19 million hectares 3,000 homes and 34 lives. Every day we heard more stories about the ones we lost and the ones who lost everything. Those fires were the worst on record in New South Wales. How much longer can we keep shrugging our shoulders? During the fires across Australia, Scott Morrison told us from his resort in Hawaii that he was doing all he can that he doesn't have a hose, and that he doesn't sit in an all-powerful control room. Well Scott Morrison, a good start would be to stop ignoring the calls for change made by firefighters and climate scientists, students and Indigenous leaders. You've thrown 51 billion into fossil fuels. The industry fueling the climate crisis. What we are seeing right now is a glimpse at what we'll be facing for the rest of our lives if we do not act. We don't have time to debate concrete evidence anymore. We know we are on the cusp of a climate crisis. And every day we procrastinate will be to the detriment of younger generations. And we'll watch as an increasingly dangerous climate continues to devastate communities across the globe. Thank you.
13: We're just frogs in a pan Even though you may have a good heart inside And think you do the best that you can Who's to say what's right or wrong But it should never be up to one man Don't take much to upset the apple car lying on a bed of nails with just a speck of dirt in the great void of space that we can do with our fingernails power so how much do you need money you make our pockets bleed who's in this show.
10: 3CR Radiothon fundraiser, June
3: 2021. To donate, call 03 9419 8377 or donate
0: online at 3CR.org.au. 3CR Radiothon.
13: Two rebels from Extinction Rebellion, Violet Coco and Leslie Mosby, have just emerged from seven days in an ACT prison. They were arrested as part of the Budget Week actions by Extinction Rebellion in Canberra. Both Violet and Leslie refused bail. They refused to acknowledge any criminality in their actions or accept bail conditions that restricted their right to protest. Let's listen now to what Violet and Leslie had to say when they were released just today. And today is Wednesday, May 19, 2021.
3: We just spent seven days in ACT Correctional Facility and um, we wanted to give a chance to uh, introduce ourselves and and why we did that. Um, First I'd like to start by acknowledging that we are uh, doing this video and being held here on stolen land and I pay my respects. Um, I'd also, yeah, just I'll just start. I might, like I said, my name's Violet. I'm a 30-year-old philosophy student and I've been a full-time activist now for about two and a half years because I believe it's my absolute moral duty to rebel against a government that's utterly failing us.
14: And I'm Leslie. I'm 59 years old today, and uh, got out of prison for my birthday. <laughs> I am—I've uh, been an armchair activist most of my life. Uh, the bushfires, the Black Summer bushfires a few years ago, propelled me out of my armchair and into doing more substantial and meaningful action for climate change, for the sake of my grandson and children and all future generations. Okay, so I would just like to talk about the fact that we were credit we are incredibly privileged. Uh, Violet and I, being both white, middle-class, uh, I'm middle-aged, educated, se- fairly confident women, that this was an action that uh, allowed us to capitalise on that privilege and uh, make some really meaningful action. We realised that in this country we're fortunate. The uh, the punishment for crime in our country is loss of liberty. So when you enter the prison system. it's supposed to be only about loss of liberty. There's no uh, human rights violations or violence or anything like that. So we we were able to capitalise on that quite easily.
3: And I will just say, obviously, there are First Nations deaths in custody that we want to acknowledge, but, um, you know, there are countries where it is much, much more dangerous to do Mm. this. And so we have a a lot of um, privilege just for being in this country. Yeah.
14: And I, I tend to think that gives us more of an obligation to act in this country because we can. Absolutely. Yeah. And we were very fortunate in that we had we could sign our bail papers at any time, so we knew we could leave and we had another we had each other to kind of help us through this. And as I say, our experience is not necessarily universal and we would caution people, uh, even though it's everybody's individual choice to whether follow a a course of action like we have, Um, you really should carefully consider this if you're a person of colour or from a um, a vulnerable minority like the uh, trans people so on, Um, they may not have the same experience of prison as we have. So I'd also encourage people, if you're going to do this, come to Canberra (laughs) to do it uh, or other capital cities at a minimum but I'd be very wary about regional areas because we know there's a history of violence in the Australian prison system especially for males and people of colour and other vulnerable minorities Um, and also if you have active health mental health issues, claustrophobia or physical disabilities this might not be the right course of action for you. Not to say that you can't do it um,
3: but yeah just just be be aware. Uh,
14: There was very little setup that I saw in there for anybody with disabilities so it might be difficult and there are always people who can't do this who have dependents and uh, are on visas and so forth but there are many many roles to play in XR and so that we need people to fulfill all those roles to support those of us with the privilege who can actually take this step. So, um, to us it was an honour uh, to sacrifice our liberty for such a good cause. Um, we know that future generations are depending on us, and that if we don't act now and act decisively, and for me, when I was thinking about what, how can I contribute to this, the most meaningful, significant, important thing I could do was to s- sacrifice my liberty, and um, I'm more than happy to do that. And I'm hopefully, as a person of the generation who allowed us to get to this state, I feel like it's making amends somewhat to my grandson and children of the future who are going to have to live with the mess we've left them with. Over
3: to you, Bob. Yeah, so I just wanted to talk a little bit about the emergency that we are in, just to frame the conversation that we're having about why we are in here. We are on a trajectory that makes this planet unable to sustain life. Um, on this path, billions will die. Uh, we already lost billions of animals last year, but we're talking billions of human lives as well. Um, scientists have coined this time the sixth mass extinction. Uh, the last mass extinction killed the dinosaurs, but um, it's possible that humans can go extinct. In fact, uh, we've had uh, climate related extinctions before, but like this one, but uh, it wasn't actually changing as fast then as it's changing now. So we've sped up the process of the heating of the planet by putting copious amounts of CO2 into the atmosphere uh, through the burning of fossil fuels. And this is a human created extinction event. um, But as well as coining this extinction event, the science is indicating that we can change the trajectory that we are on. We can stop the extinction. But to do this, we need a rapid transition to zero emissions and to halt biodiversity loss, planting bunches of trees, which sucks carbon out of the atmosphere and protecting our forests and oceans. They also say that there is only a certain amount of time to make these changes or it will be impossible to do so. Uh, There's a point of no return in the climate system, which means that there is nothing that we will be able to do to stop the extinction event. It's predicted to be in the next few years. So if we wait to 2050 to zero out on emissions it will kill billions of people potentially all life on earth um, this is a situation where we either do enough or we don't bother and accept that we would rather die than change so the threat to us is massive and immediate but it's also solvable if we act fast
14: okay so just quickly i'd like to do a very quick scan of the methodology of civil disobedience of a peaceful civil disobedience so it's a huge topic and I really encourage people to look into it it's fascinating but we know from history that it has worked for many many causes at many times and many places and it's really just about a numbers game folks that the more people we can get to engage in non-violent peaceful civil disobedience the better the chance we have of making this work one of the reasons I joined Extinction Rebellion is because they have a plan Um, nobody else seemed to have a plan it was just do more of the same kind of thing to try to get a different result which we all know is a bit futile. So I would encourage people to read up on XR if you're not already a member and why we do what we do. So the civil disobedience theory goes that uh, that is a strategy that we use. We engage in mass, uh, as many people as possible engaging in peaceful non-violent civil disobedience and there's plenty of people in this organisation who are experienced and can um, come up with the the kind of things that are going to get us some action and we use that as a leverage then to cause material cost and disruption to the authorities so the idea is that by filling up the criminal justice system and the prisons with people who are doing peaceful non-violent civil disobedience they have to feed us they have to clothe us they have to transport us they have to do all of that stuff and it is creating an impact in that system which hopefully travels up the line of command to people who say you know to governments where they say you have to do something about this because we are not coping with the amount of people who are overwhelming the system. A really good example of that is the yellow shirt, um, uh, yellow vest um, protest that happened in France a couple of years ago and look into that if you want to find out more about it. So the other uh, great thing about civil, peaceful, non-violent civil disobedience is we gain empathy from the public too. When people see that we are willing to take these extreme steps and sort of ordinary little old ladies like me are willing to go to prison... Um, it really underlines how important we think this issue is. It um, and it shows that it's something that has to be dealt with by extreme measures because we're in an extreme situation. We know we need to know the sociological science of this. is studied by a lot of the founders of XR and other people. It's fascinating to read if you're into that kind of thing. But it does show it. it It will work if we get the numbers. There's no way it won't work if we can get enough people to engage in various levels of um, peaceful, non-violent civil disobedience. And as I'm going to mangle this quote, so I uh, apologise to Nelson Mandela, but it always seems impossible until someone does it.
3: Uh, so I'm just going to quickly run over XR's demands. Uh, the first demand is... Can you just remind us where we are? Oh, yeah, so just letting you all know <laughs> we're outside um, ACT Prison. Um, Leslie and I have just spent seven days... Um, in the correctional facility, uh, basically in solitary confinement except for two hours a day. Um, and uh, and we were together.
8: And we were, allowed, yeah, we were allowed
3: together. And, um, and uh, yeah, we did that um, to highlight the climate and ecological emergency. And, yeah, I just wanted to say XR's demands, which are uh, first one is to tell the truth. So the government, government must declare a climate and ecological emergency and work with institutions to communicate the urgency for change. So this should be front-page news every day Um, ACT has declared a climate and ecological emergency. Melbourne City Council has declared a climate and biodiversity um, emergency. Sydney, Newcastle, actually hundreds of councils, thousands around the world have declared a climate and ecological emergency. Um, And this is just about, you know, acknowledging what it is so we can take the appropriate response to the situation. Uh, the second demand is act now. So we must zero out on emissions by 2025 and halt biodiversity loss. A scientist once told me that losing biodiversity is like taking bricks out of your house and expecting it still to stand. Australia is leading the way on mammal extinction. Um, we're mammals, so you know we're part of that system. We're losing um, we're losing insects, um, which are you know pollinate our food. It's just it's incredibly insane. Um, and 2025 is, like, just as soon as humanly possible. We saw an immediate change with COVID when we recognised the threat. We could shift our whole society to, um, to in an appropriate response to the threat. That's what we need to do now. Um, and so, and our third demand, as I mentioned earlier, was citizens' assemblies, which is the government must be led by the decisions of a citizens' assembly on climate and ecological justice. And citizens' assemblies are a random and representative selection of the population, so it's 50 women, 50% men. We know that women make um, better choices when it comes to environment and social policy. Uh, That's just shown throughout um, history. That's a fact. And so um, having better representation of people of colour and all those um, vulnerable parties will help us make better decisions. And um, basically they come together and rather than a two-party system where they, uh, you know, they're trying to win over each other, um, uh, you're coming together to deliberate. So it's a, a really amazing thing. It's been used all around the world for really contentious issues, like the um, abortion debate. The abortion debate in Ireland and also um, in Australia, we've used it 12 times before. So it's so so important, um, and uh, and it just basically solves the problem for politicians who are trapped in um, in you know the um, Murdoch By, empire yeah, and fossil yeah. fuel
14: lobbies that have bought out our politicians. This is why we, our system is broken because they cannot possibly uh, follow ecological and climate-based agendas even if they want to because they won't get the funding from the fossil fuel uh, industries to run their election election campaign so politicians it's an out for you you leave it up to the people and whenever people are given these decisions it's people like you and me and everybody else we just people do make the decisions that support their community and their families and their welfare because that's we don't have vested interests so it's a brilliant brilliant system the um Uh, People's Assemblies. I encourage you to look into that as well.
3: Yeah, so basically from here, um, we've got another mass national action happening on June 10, which I uh, really encourage you to engage in. Yeah. It wasn't nearly
14: as bad as we thought it would be no, no. <laughs> and
3: I, but i just want to reiterate yeah. you know that leslie and i are just normal people we were both sort of very scared to go in yeah. um and uh but we really wanted to demystify this experience for you all so that we could do this as a um as a group together because it is going to take this strategy to save our planet because as i said um, earlier we are in an existential threat we risk losing life on our planet our planet's ability to sustain life and so um yeah i just really really encourage you all to get engaged and and rebel for life
14: Mm. yeah there's um there's no bigger issue humanity has ever faced and to sacrifice seven days of your liberty in relative comfort and safety is a small price to pay to know that you are doing everything you can for future generations absolutely
3: happy birthday leslie
13: oh, thank you very much. <laughs> um, yeah. and yeah see you all at the Zoom. Yep. slavery is back
0: welcome to a place where private business profit from a captive labor force Yet pennies are spent on medical services to a population in which the indigenous, the poor and the mentally ill are overrepresented, where isolation, humiliation and degradation are facts of life. Welcome to prison.
11: It depends who's
6: telling the story I suppose, the prisoners would have one view, the people who work in the prison system would have
14: another, and I think it's up to people to decide uh, where the truth is.
10: Give government propaganda and the media spin doctors the flick. And check out Doin' Time for news, views and tunes on prison issues from Guantanamo Bay to Christmas Island to prisons and detention centres everywhere every Monday at 4pm on your community radio
8: 3CR.
0: We are still fired up and we're still talking about revolution. Throughout the month of June, we'll be asking you, the listener, to support radical, community-owned
7: media during our Radiothon.
10: We'll be taking donations online, over the phone and in the station to help keep us going for another year.
3: Independent community media is more important than ever, and we need your support to power community radio. The 3CR Radiothon kicks off in June.
15: To donate, go to 3cr.org.au. Call the station on 03 9419 8377 or drop in at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy during business hours. 3CR Community Powered Radio.
4: I'm in Bondi Park and we've just had a get up action about Fund Our Future Not Coal, and I've got Maddie here.
10: Yeah, so essentially what we were doing today is going out and having transformational conversations with people uh, in the electorate of Wentworth, speaking to residents about why they care about protecting you know, our climate and the people and places we love. And yeah, it's just really important that we have those conversations and then share those messages of support uh, to Dave Sharma. So he hears loud and clear that we care about these issues and that we don't want public money going towards gas projects or coal or anything like that.
4: you found another person who's bravely volunteered her time to get people to sign this in Bondi Junction, which is a frightening place, there's thousands of people here. What did you experience? Oh, I experienced, uh, my sentiments are the same as Maddie's, and I find it absolutely outrageous that this government wants to spend our money, our taxpayer dollars, making the whole situation of climate change worse and and the lies that we're told it makes me very very angry and I'm ashamed to be Australian. But when you spoke to the public did you get a good response that people wanted to support this campaign to stop those dollars flowing into gas? Mm, Some people do and some people don't. Some people believe the lies that they're told and they think that climate change is their climate change deniers. They think that the Earth's always been changing, and some people were very supportive mm. and understand that the climate change is real. Mm. Yes, I met people who said it was rubbish, oh. but they weren't the majority. So no,
15: no. anyone else Can would you think?
4: like to? Hi, um,
15: yeah, I've joined today because um, I was caught up in the bushfires of um, 2020 down the south coast was a very rattling experience, um, and came home and did a lot of extra reading and a lot of um, research on why we had the fires, um, and understood then that the consensus was the ferocity of the season was because of climate change. Uh, I spent 2020 um, doing a lot of reading and getting very concerned and came to the conclusion that we are at a crisis point now, And we need massive action. We need to take action now because we're running out of time. And I've understood most people don't understand this. So my commitment in 2021 was to help make this knowledge known more broadly in the community. And am very concerned and outraged that our government is spinning lies to the Australian public about a so-called gas-led recovery uh, gas is, we have enough gas in our economy. Uh, the mix, we always will need gas. We don't need any more, and we don't need any more investment in it. We need to direct that money towards renewables. That's where our future is. Other countries around the world are going blazes with moving over to renewables. Boris Johnson has got the target of 20, in 2030 that all households will be powered by renewables. So it's definitely doable, it's something that we can do, it can be done now and there's no reason why we can't do it. There's a lot of jobs that can be created from this and we just need a leader to transition us through, through this process, look after the people that are gonna lose their jobs, um, but have a plan. We need a leader, we don't need a follower, we need a leader.
4: What was your experience just going out to the public? Was that a confronting thing for you? A lot of people are very busy,
15: But my sense was that they are concerned about the environment. Their opinion is what the government is telling them. They do not understand what the issues are um, and we have a communication problem.
4: Thank you very much. What happened to you today? Did you go out in the public?
11: Yes, yeah, I, I had a great time talking to people and a lot of people do care about the situation with climate change. The reason I was out today, or one of the reasons I was out, is that a lot of people are doing it tough. The cancellation of JobKeeper without a sensible alternative pushed a million children down into poverty and those families don't have time to stay abreast of the news and the government takes advantage of them by putting out fake news to support their own corporates who donate to them. So it's great to get out and just share a bit of information and um, give some sort of reality to many people
4: very compassionate point of view. What motivates you with climate action in general?
11: Generally it's, uh, well, I've got four little granddaughters, two in Australia, two in Austria. A big part of it is to make sure they have a reasonable life down the track. There's no point living on a planet where the wealthy just bail out of areas that have been destroyed by climate change and make up their own little new environments that are safe and the bulk of the population just gets left to rot.
4: Got another one of these brave people who've gone out and faced the public. It is quite hard. Did you find that? Yeah, well, it, it,
8: I was really nervous about it because it's quite hard to, to talk to people. You don't know whether they're going to be um, for or against, um, but it w- actually turned out um, easier than I thought it would be. Yeah. Um, there was one, one guy who said he doesn't believe in climate change at all. He was sitting on a bench um, yeah. eating his lunch and then the woman um, on the other end of the bench said, well, I'm interested, uh, I'll talk to you and and she was very concerned about climate change so she was very supportive. Yeah.
4: So, yeah, it was interesting. There's a mixture of views. I know you make films but did you? is there some sort of film you could make out of this? Because it seems to me a very minority thing people handing out leaflets or handing asking people to sign something in the street The 90 percent of the people are walking by but there's a story there isn't it two groups of people do you see a, a film in that
8: yeah I, I can actually there's a film festival um that some friends of mine are running dare to struggle and um the, it's it's about stories of people who are campaigning for things struggling for for social change so um a, a film about these these um, amazing get up volunteers who run these things would be amazing mm. so, to talk about what they do um, what motivates them and that would be a really
4: good story, actually. Yeah. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. Well, I met you with um, with the Jack Mundy at the Jack Mundy Memorial, and a lot of 3CR listeners know about Jack Mundy. So what image do you hold up? Because it looks so fragile, doesn't it? Climate change is happening. The big corporations are still pumping money into it. Our government's pumping money into it. And there's these handful of, you know, innocent-looking people handing out pamphlets and asking people to have a conversation. What models do you think of, you know, heroes and people who have gone before us do you think of? Most social movements start with very small groups like the,
8: um, the, the women's liberation movement started with two women who chained themselves to a bar that was male only and that started the whole movement that gained us the rights that we have today. Mm-hmm every movement starts slow but, but the climate change is not that small anymore we had the school strike for, for climate yeah. kids and that's really um, encouraging because I think it's the, it's, it's the younger generation that are going to that,
4: that get this um, change going mm. Thanks for listening to Stop Gaslighting Our Future produced by the Climate Action Show Collective Thank you to Robert McLean who brought you the voices of Violet Coco and Leslie Mosby from Extinction Rebellion in Canberra. Thanks to the School Strike for Climate, to the Gamilaroi Next Generation and 350.org Pacific Group. For thanks to the people at Pitt Street Uniting Church. Thanks to Maddie and the Get Up volunteers at Bondi Junction. And thanks to Michaela and Rao um, who got this show to air. To take climate action, you could contact any of these groups. As Leslie Mosby says, it's important to get informed and to share information. Sharing this podcast will help us and help people who think there's nothing we can do. The seas are rising, but people are rising too. And if you need proof that warming temperatures are harming us, you can read a recent article by Peter Hannam. Sydney Morning Herald. It's called Not Just Dropping Off a Twig. And he says that warming is deceptive. It's not just bats falling out of trees or mass coral bleaching. Sub-lethal temperatures can cause loss of fertility in plants, insects, fish and coral. And you can imagine that is another kind of death. In the recent Upper Hunter Valley by-election, All parties, except the Greens, backed the coal industry. And the Nationals won that by-election. So let's build up an alternative power power base by getting behind these climate action groups. 75% of Australians feel something should be done about climate change and these groups are leading the way. Please get behind them. My name is Vivian Langford. Good night and good luck. (coughs)
15: Get ready to add your support during our annual Radiothon and be part of Community Powered Radio. 3CR Radiothon Fundraiser, June 2021.
1: To donate, call
3: 03 9419 8377 or donate
0: online at 3cr.org.au. 3CR Radiothon, Community Powered Radio.
4: the new climate action radio show will surprise you.
11: Well, first of all, I'm not a believer in global warming. I'm not a believer in man-made global warming, global warming.
4: And so you'll hear voices from all around Australia and overseas that are taking all types of climate action, whether it's stopping coal and gas, whether it's building a new model of society, or whether it's just sustaining you in the grief you may feel about the climate destruction we're facing and in that spirit here's a poem by rumi stop take a breath for you are drunk and we are at the edge of the roof
1: this is cold don't be afraid the
4: don't treasure. be scared
1: it's cold it's cold
4: it's tune in every monday at 5 pm to hear the climate action radio show oh breaking news Royal Dutch Shell has been ordered by a court in the Netherlands to cut its emissions in the next 10 years. Friends of the Earth and six other organisations took Shell to court for causing climate change. This will trigger a wave of litigation against big polluters to stop them extracting or burning fossil fuels. Just shows what groups can do. Please join up with any of them. That was Friends of the Earth.
2: Step three is finding there's a tactic, when everyone believes it could be true. That if all the people work collectively, there just might be something we can do, and everything can change.